It's in America's interest to do business overseas. Welcome to another episode of Kill James Bond. I am Alice Caldwell Kelly. Joining me, as ever, are Abigail Thorne and Devon. Hello. We Hello. watched. We watched Syriana. This was my pick to try and sort of round out the Jason Bournes with some contemporary global war on terror. Well, I say contemporary. It's two thousand and six. With some with some global war on terror, gritty, realistic spy movie making. Mm. It's time to begin the cerebral hour. I'm afraid yes. so. I'm I'm drunk on power. But the thing is that um, now that you've unleashed the prospect of Alice analysis on the world, uh, I, I've kind of I, I I've taken a little bit too far, and now I'm just going to make you watch films that I think have a lot to say about uh, capitalism and society. Yes, things. I, of this I just have, I just have a drop of those two things. Alice made us watch a film that's actually really good, and I I very much enjoyed, which is kind of a novel experience for this podcast. Yeah, it's something. Yeah, huh? right. Normally um, we like it's just about like cum and shit, but this is actually like kind of good. Yeah, typically oh, we'll you, just you watch think like there's going to be no cum in this episode? Oh, Do you really think that I would let you get through a whole episode without getting a drop of Matt Damon saying so that when you finally wake up, they will have sucked you dry? <sighs> Fingers <laughs> crossed, Matt. Oh. <laughs> I run pipe. For <laughs> sake! I just said it was the cerebral hour. <laughs> the cerebral hour. The cerebral hour begins now. So uh, we begin by immediately passing the "Did you get a fake muezzin?" test. Yes. <laughs> Where... Yes. We hear the scariest noise to an American audience in 2005. Yes, the azan uh, begins with a takbir, as opposed to just a guy who they've hired to go like. Nah. It's the real thing. It's got the Warner Bros. logo, and over it is the sound of a muezzin. And I wrote, Inshallah, soon this every movie... Yeah, there it is. <laughs> soon every movie will begin like this, regardless of content. That's right. That's right. Um, but so, so we begin by... Uh, we're in the desert, and we're watching a bunch of kafala laborers fight for work. They're getting in a fist fight over who gets to get on the bus, because... There's that many jobs available, and there's more of them than there is work. Uh, in particular, two who we will go on to see the adventures of throughout the film are Wasim and his dad. Yeah. And, and Wasim's dad. And I need to immediately activate Devon mode. Yes! Please. Um, because I would like to talk about a very strong cinematic choice that this film makes right here in the first scene. Go off. Which is that Wasim and his dad look down the barrel of the lens. They they look down the camera, which is something that like you like you doesn't happen at any other point throughout the film. It's like a very very strong choice, um, and it's a really nice moment to like establish their humanity. Mm. Uh, we've seen a lot of films where like crowds of of non white people are like portrayed as an obstacle or as like they like potentially dangerous, but here they look down the lens and like they're looking back at the audience just as we are watching them. So too will they watch us. And it really, really like in the first two minutes sets off the theme of like everyone involved in this has like a common humanity. It's just such a good choice when I saw it. I was like, fuck me. That's good. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's, it starts off Cinema. With, with your, with your proletarians, right? With your workers, with your people who are, who are dispossessed. And part of the reason why it's uh, like compelling to me to use the azan is it's the azan for Faj. It's like it's early. It's the sun isn't even up yet. 
Uh, that's the like first shot of the movie. It's this big sunrise, and uh, all of these guys sort of fist fighting in the twilight because there's you know there's uh, that's the only way that they get to work. But so we we leave them for a minute, having sort of foregrounded that as as our stakes here. Uh, and we go to Tehran. We go to a house party where we immediately run straight into a guy. Oh yeah. So there's there's a type of guy I'm I'm most familiar with him as a Euro guy, right? It's the type of German guy who is like listening to pounding techno and says things like "Dude, dein vibe since total ausgefuckt. Ich bin so gone auf dem Laut or whatever." Yeah. His name is Arash. It, I actually literally have a drop of him going exactly the same, but in Farsi. The guy. Yeah, I've been to this kind of party. It's, it's actually Kevin Novak uh, in, a, in a sort of very. Yeah, yeah, he's one of the guys from Four Lions in, yeah. in this kind of. And I'm like, oh shit, like that's the dumb guy from Four Lions. Yeah, he's really good. He's like underutilized. Yeah, he's really but he's, he's talking to Bob Barnes. Who is George Clooney. George Clooney, looking deliberately like shit. He's like this sort of heavy, scruffy, uh, bearded guy. George Clooney. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's he's like in this sort of linen suit that is like one continuous wrinkle that goes all the way around. And you know these these guys know each other. Like they're they're asking after George Clooney's kids, but what they want to do is an arms deal. That's what he's there for. And you get these sort of very interesting shots where. You have uh, like uh, all of these people are drinking. They're doing well, liquid MDMA. Mm. You get a shot of a woman like leaving the house party, like kicking off her heels, putting on sensible shoes, and putting her shador on. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, the arms dealers want to wait until after prayer before they do their arms deal. And it's like this. This has more depth, more empathy for uh, like different ways of living as a Muslim than like almost any other Hollywood movie sort of made by and for largely white people oh, that yeah, I've seen. Oh yeah, 100%. In, in particular, like, I think I think about these arms dealer brothers, one of them is in, sort of, uh, vindicating a long-held joke of mine about, uh, sort of, um, Middle Eastern defense procurement, one of them is literally wearing a D&G belt the whole time. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but but they, they, they have this sort of, like, self-conscious, ironic, sort of into-mind, ambiguous relationship with, uh, with their religion and their culture that I really, really find compelling. It's really nice, that, actually, because um, there are a couple of reviews I read of this which, which kind of said, oh, all the Muslim characters in this are, like, fundamentalists and extremists, and it's not really bad. And I'm like, That's actually, not like, true at all. in the first three minutes, <laughs> no. we see some guys who are a, a lot more casual about it, who are still, like, bad guys, but... It's it's it is actually quite nuanced. But anyway, George Clooney um sells this guy two rocket launchers. Yes. Stinger uh, stinger missiles. Mm -hmm. Uh guided missiles to shoot down aircraft. Well he has the little guidance chip for them. And he's surprised to find that they're actually buying uh two instead of one. He thought it was just going to be them. And he he switches the guidance computer for we know not what yet, and goes into a back room where he immediately gets a gun put in his face. Yes, by yeah. another guy. Because one of them goes with the guy. Yeah, one of them goes with the guy that he was that he arrived with, and the mm -hmm. other one goes, and he's like, "Whoa, whoa, where's the second one going?" And his contact is like, "Why do you care? You're yeah. just an arms dealer. Aren't you? <laughs> Why do you care about money? Yeah, yeah we, we. If you're a cop, you have to. We tell immediately me. meet another guy who will continue to come back with a Milwaukee as Muhammad Sheikh Agiza, who is this this fundamentalist, and he's. So good. He's so good about this whole right? this whole movie. Because when we meet him here, the first shot we see of him is him putting a gun in George Clooney's face. 
Yes, and he's 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 wearing a towel. He's speaking Arabic. Uh, he's speaking Egyptian Arabic specifically, which is how Clunes uh, are able to identify him as Egyptian. Um, and we see sort of George Clooney's two traits as a spy, the two things that like make him good at his job, which are a facility for languages and this preternatural ability to stay calm. Mm-hmm. Those are the only things that he has going for him. He's not suave. He's, he's not, not He's not even that clever. No, like, he doesn't. He doesn't know how to fight. But he's like, he remains very calm, and he speaks a lot of languages. And so, with the gun in his face, he insults the guy in Farsi, thus sort of demonstrating that he doesn't speak Farsi, mm-hmm. and he's he's not Iranian. Yeah, because by the way, George Clooney works for the CIA. Yes, yes, which. We we intuit as he leaves the scene, and one of the stinger missile launchers, the one that he switched the guidance chip on, just explodes, kills two people: uh, the the arms dealer and the guy he was leaving with. And we immediately post that shot, post the the thing killing the uh, the Arash and his brother. We cut to Christopher Plummer literally trimming a bush, like he's cutting the heads off several yeah, plants. Yeah, it's very like very constant gardener, isn't it? It's symbolic. <laughs> there's a lot of that kind of thing in this. There's a lot of that kind of like symbolic cuts in this film. It's so good at that. Speaking of which, Christopher Plummer, fucking the guy I love to another see. Another guy I love to see in the movie. Entering like Kramer. To and then immediately like, thereafter, Whoa! another guy I love to see in a movie. Jeffrey fucking right. Jeffrey right. Here's the thing: this podcast has made me too soft on actors. Right. I, I love them. I used to. I used to watch a. I used to watch a movie and be like, oh, not this old cunt again. And now I watch a film and I'm like, oh, there's a. There's someone I love to. See, there's a character actor. This, I've been brainwashed here. There's the fucking leader of the Greybeards from High Hrothgar. <laughs> there he is. That's fucking Commissioner Gordon of Batman. So, 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 so Christopher Plummer is is the um, uh, the founding partner of a very large sort of Beltway uh, law firm, who has got Jeffrey Wright, his sort of young apprentice, in. His name is Bennett Holiday. Series of incredible names in this film, but they all fit that's because true. every American has this kind of name. <laughs> that's true. He's overseeing the law firm is like handling the merger of these two huge oil corporations, Exxon mm-hmm. and Mobil. Sorry, Conex and Killeen. It's time to start yeah. the Killeen because <laughs> yeah. they're making because they're making a killing. Do ah. you get it? Do you get some of the names in there? Like the chairman of 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 Connex Killeen is called Mister Janus. Like, do he because he's two faced? Do you get it? Leland Janus, another <laughs> Leland name alert. Janus. So so he's he's instructing Jeffrey Wright to help audit this deal to help it like go through smoothly on the basis that and this is like the most sort of I am evil thing you can say. I have a flock of sheep who think they're lions. Maybe you're a lion. Everyone thinks is a sheep. You can't go around saying shit like that. He does keep like... saying shit like this throughout the whole movie, and he gets called out on it later by Clooney. TFW, you are a sheep farmer. I have a flock of sheep. So <laughs> <laughs> you must learn to master the thum, Jeffrey Wright. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, so we go to the the boardroom. The first of a handful of boardroom scenes, where we see Jeffrey Wright is working uh, for the sort of the junior partner in this law firm, a guy called Sidney Barrett. 
to, to handle the merger between these yeah, two. Every, yes. Everyone in this fucking boardroom is so perfectly cast. We have another guy we've seen before. We've got Chris Cooper, um, one of the many Brian Coxes. Yes, he's back. Hack, tap, bypass. But every single person in this boardroom looks like they could completely seriously deliver the line, Gentlemen, oil. And I would be like, <laughs> yes, yes, I believe this. <laughs> <laughs> all of all of the oil men scenes are a little bit like cigar chewing. Oh, true. I think it's one. They're one of the weaker points of this movie. Uh, but we see the the sort of difference between Connex, which is Leland Janice's company, which is like relatively more professional and restrained, and Killeen, which is run by Chris Cooper, and it's this like shit kicking Texan kind of vibe. Mm. Uh, in particular, Killeen have the rights to drill for oil in Kazakhstan. Yes. Which Connex really, really want because they uh, they lost a contract to the Chinese government, mm. I think. And they're like, yes. fuck, like we really want Kazakhstan's oil. Yes, uh, there is sort of there is a theory that Roger Ebert of all people uh, suggests in his review of this movie, which is that there is an unspoken plot point that this is like a lie that the oil is not being drilled, that the oil is in fact Chinese and is just being shipped sort of through round the back to the U.S. this way. Which I'm not. I'm not sure how much I believe. But anyway, that's 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 what the stakes are of the merger. And Jeffrey Wright is like, we we kind of get the vibe that he's being brought on to make this merger seem squeaky clean yes. to the Department of Justice because the government are going to want to like look at this merger and make sure it's not violating any antitrust yes. laws. Because the one thing that both Connex and Colleen agree on is that it is impossible to do business in oil without corruption. There's a bit later on. That I, I'm I'm gonna have to like I'll just I'll just put it now because the, these boardroom scenes are essentially the same scene, but it's a fantastic bit from both Jeffrey Wright and Chris Cooper, where he just goes, "Is illegal to offer gifts, money, the promise of money, or anything of value to influence foreign officials." Is it? <laughs> it's just perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's just like <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. sure. There's a great line where where Chris Cooper has he says you know the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act I keep a copy taped to the side of the inside of my head yeah it's, so <laughs> it's quite fun so at this point we have to we have to meet uh, another another character to which I can only say Jesus Christ that's Jason Bourne <laughs> Matt Damon has Brian struck the movie. Woodman uh, <laughs> Brian Matt Woodman Damon. ah another lad I'm just seeing boys another lad another guy that we like. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, a, like a financial analyst in Geneva. He has a young family, he has a wife and two children, and he goes to the office every day and he like g- gets on TV uh, to be interviewed as a talking head. Where he says things like, "Well, if the price of oil goes up, that's bad, unless it's good." Yeah, um, and he's sort of like kind of unfulfilled doing this. Yeah, we we, see, we get to see some nice scenes of Matt Damon with his family, which is nice. Yeah, it's nice. He has he has two young kids. Um, I'm gonna have something to say later on about the way this movie like uses children in its storylines. Yes. but this yes. is this is like children children alert. He has a crystals ass wife. Um, to which That's I say true. hello, Amanda Pete. Uh, yeah, hello. hello. She's not blonde, but hello. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he he goes to work and he gets an invitation to a party in Marbella being thrown by the Emir of. Uh, fictional country. Yeah, of- it's 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 Sa- Saudi Arabia. Shmaudi Shmarabia. <laughs> yeah, and, and his boss is like, yeah, go, take the kids. They love kids. It's great. That's in Spain. That's how the party's happening in Spain. Yeah. I, I should point out, all all there's like four plot threads in this movie. They all interweave very uh in a very complex way. So there's gonna be a lot of going back and forth mm-hmm. 
right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Don't worry about it. Yes, yeah. Um, and uh, the, the vibe is that when he gets to this party with the Emir, Matt Damon can, like, you know, maybe make him kind of a business position, like, hey, you know, our, our firm, we can help you, like, you know, make money, which you already have. Exactly. Up, so, so, he, so he sort of reluctantly goes, he reluctantly agrees to go to the party. Um, at which point we get back to Wazim. Yeah, Wasim and his father, uh, who are finding out that they have been put out of work. Yes, because the Connex refinery um, has been uh, shut down. It's been part of the merger. Who cares? Uh, they've been laid off, but the the company's been what's been providing them like food and lodgings and immigration support. Yeah, kafala. It's a kafala. It's a mm-hmm. kafala system. Yeah. Uh, so they hold your passport. You are only in the country by virtue of your employment. Now that you don't have that employment, you have two weeks to. To, to fuck off or to get a work permit for some other job. Essentially, the, the, the point of this, there's a few scenes we'd like to talk about, but um, Wazim, he's looking for work, but he doesn't speak particularly good Arabic. A friend of his, who I... That's Farouk. Uh, Farouk, of course, uh, suggests that they join a madrasa to learn Arabic. Yeah, not just to learn Arabic, but also because they have food. Like, there's this scene when, like, after they get laid off, where uh, some of the other workers are drinking and they're climbing this uh, this huge uh, electric pylon, and there's sort of omnipresent in the background of this is this hum, uh, and like one of them even makes fun of Wasim for being frightened of it, uh, and I I love this because it, again it's not subtle, right? The guy fucking trimming the roses, same thing with like oh these workers are surrounded by uh, great and terrible power, um, but. Yeah, no, I, I, it's not subtle, but I still really like it. Wasim's father gives a really nice monologue about uh, how when he was a kid, there was like a future to look forward to. There were like mountains in the distance, and mm-hmm. um, Wasim's like, I don't really have... The, the implication is that he's like, I don't really have a future to look forward to. We might as well do a couple of Wasim's scenes on the trot yeah, here. Like, sure. We see that he's looking for... He tries to get a work permit, and the police beat the shit out of him, mm-hmm. uh, and then he joins the madrasa. He's like learning Arabic. He like makes a few friends there. And we'll check in with him later on. George Clooney is still he's still pissed off about this fucking missile. Yes, and he he comes back to the US chatting about the missile to everyone will listen, and everyone's going shut the fuck up. Yeah, the thing the thing about the CIA is there's a lot of internal politics, and the the vibe with George Clooney is that he's he's a field guy. He doesn't do that. He doesn't know how to do that. And so he ends up writing a lot of these memos, going, "Hey, there's a, there's a Stinger missile that's just gone missing off the back of this shit." Exactly the kind of memos that sort of went out before 9-11 oh, yeah. and got covered up for exactly the same sort of reasons of sort of like ass covering. And so the CIA's decision to try and like shut him up is to kick him upwards to promote him. Uh, and in order to do that, they get him an opportunity to uh, to give a briefing to a thinly veiled Condoleezza Rice, right? Where all he has to do is he has to sit there, toe the line, and keep his mouth shut. Um, and so she asks him about Iran, and she has this incredible hubris, which I really like. This is this is it's about Iraq, right? But it's it's sort of like this is one of those things. This movie came out in two thousand and five. This is exactly the sort of level of prescience that uh, that you know anyone that high up in the federal government had about foreign policy. India is now our ally. Russia is now our ally. Even China will be an ally. Everybody between Morocco and Pakistan is the problem. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, mm, yeah. So she says, like, do you think Iran can be made secular and westernized? Yes, with a sort of heavily... <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We see that she is uh, not not like working for, but is definitely being influenced by a bunch of dudes called the Committee to Liberate Iran, who is just like oil guys. Some truly insane guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, I'd like to just, I forgot to do this, but I, I also need to shout um, another person I fucking love to see, baby, Viola Davis. Let's fucking go. Always a pleasure. Yeah, Clooney's supposed to sit there and say, like, absolutely, we can bring democracy to the people of Iran, like, we can do it. But instead, he's like, it's kind of complicated. You can't just, like, force them to do this. It's, like, a whole fucking country full of people. And, like, also, we've, like, fucked up there a lot. And she's like, I don't like hearing this. Fuck you. Yeah, like. she, the, the, way, the way it's presented, the way it's presented is it's, it's important to the president. It's important to his foreign policy agenda, whoever that might be. Um, that there is a sort of demographic upswell in Iran, that Iranians are all under 30, they're all using Twitter, uh, and, and therefore... They're all gay. Yeah, they're all, they're all being gay with each other, and therefore, as a consequence, they will overthrow the Islamic Republic. Uh, and George Clooney gets up there, and he's, and he's kind of like, you see him try and like bite it back and try and be a company man for a second, but he's like, he, he can't do it. Yeah. And, and he has this quite incisive analysis where he's like, yeah, okay, they let young people like march in the street and they put a few satellite dishes up, and the next day they ban 50 newspapers. They're not, like, the, the control, the system of control is still there, and it's not being given up lightly. But that is, that is an impolitic thing to say. Mm-hmm. He, he gets in trouble for this, but we don't really kind of know what kind yet. And he goes to, goes to have lunch with his son, his fail son, Robbie. Yes. I really like this scene for uh, there's a, there's so many little details in this movie which aren't in themselves subtle but which you could miss. One of which is that his his shitty kid is talking about the car that he's going to need for college, and the whole time that he's talking, it's not showing him; it's showing the cooks in the kitchen making his food. It's mm-hmm. good. And and when they when they bring the food to the table, uh, Bob George Clooney is the only one who thanks the waitress. His shitty kid does not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but his his son is frustrated with him. Both his parents are in the CIA. They're like long since divorced. Um, he f- he feels like very very isolated, and he says, you know, both of my parents are professional liars. And y- you do you sympathize a little bit, but this is this is mostly just sort of to give you some some sort of some background on on Bob and why his all of his shit is falling apart as well because he looks like it. Speaking of people who are estranged from their children, Matt Damon's about to have a very nasty accident. Yeah, Matt Damon has a negative <laughs> yeah. life experience. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. We see that he goes to the party in Spain. Arriving in a fucking minivan in between yeah. all of these like <laughs> Rolls Royces. It's very funny, this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we, 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 see, we see King Salman. It's weird to see a movie made about him. Yeah, he's just right he there. going to stay lucid forever. He's like in a wheelchair. He's like ailing, but he's not, you know, uh, seen on the way that Salman very quickly was. He's the Emir, and he has two sons, uh, who we'll get to know a little bit more later on. One of them is kind of like uh, the elder one is like quite sharp, Prince Nazir, and then the younger prince is like a bit thick, Prince Michel. Yes. yes. Um. So 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 the Woodmans go to this party. Uh, they're sort of like idly racist. Like uh, his 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 wife says, uh, Arabs seem very family oriented, and then goes, "Is that racist?" Which <laughs> Matt Damon goes, "Little bit." <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of, kind of is. To which Matt Damon says, "Careful, whitey." <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, that was the drop I wanted. That is Fuck. funny. Anyway. And he, he makes his pitch to the Emir's guys. He makes his business deals pitch, and the Emir's guys are like, "Yeah." And it's it's, it's kind of a joke, right? Like they, they 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 send they send out like a couple of assistants into the hallway, uh, and they're like, "Oh, well, sorry, the Emir can't see, but we'll hear your pitch." 
And it's sort of it, the penny drops that they mean like now in the hallway, and he kind of has to take a second to like collect himself, and it goes terribly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's nicely acted. This it's little it's bit that Matt Damon does here, I really like it. Actually. Meanwhile, uh, his his son, one of his sons, is getting bullied, uh, and is getting bullied around uh, reluctance to get in the swimming pool. Uh, and this is this is the son who's like doesn't want to take his shirt off because he's transgender. Yeah, well, well, I mean, I did wonder because this is the son who's like smaller and more effeminate and is like literally called a sissy by the other kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, it's it's interesting. Could transition have saved her? <laughs> yeah. No, no. <laughs> because she jumps in the pool and because of a uh, a broken pool light. I'm not sure whether this can really happen, and if it does, no, I'm not going no. swimming again. Uh, but is electrocuted to death. Yes, yeah, and you know, but both parents, of course, horribly traumatized. Matt Damon like fishes him out of the pool. There's a curious little thing here that in, in 2005 CPR wasn't like a cultural mainstay yet, so nobody quite knows to yeah, do. Yeah, because they're both just sort of holding this kid and going, "Uh, <laughs> it's like you could do. There's like things that you could do right now that would maybe help." I love the way they they. Uh, film the death by electrocution of this child um, which is that you see the broken light in the pool with the sparks and you see the kid about to jump in and then it cuts to another part of the another area of the party where Matt Damon is and all the lights in the party just like flicker for a second so it doesn't show you but it just like implies and you're like oh fuck I really like that I like that a lot Um, because I think if you tried to show it it would be quite it would be like a little shit to see, you know? Like, I don't think it would yeah, be yeah, easy exactly, to actually. Yeah. But that gives it a, a really impressive effect. Also, um, one of the Amir's sons, the oldest son, uh, Nazir, yeah. Uh, played by, of course, fucking absolute lad, <laughs> Alexander Siddig, another guy that I adore seeing. Yeah. Um, that's a fantastic job. He does a truly fantastic job. But there's, there's a. You get several shots that make it very, very clear that he's the one who's actually thinking about anything. Because like while the yes. Amir and his younger son are just like showing these these Chinese delegates <laughs> fucking with a remote control, like, yeah, fucking the VCR player and being like, look at this shit, isn't this cool? He's like qu- <laughs> he's like writing, he's reading the documents, and he notes that the Chinese uh, people that have learned Arabic, gee, yeah, he's the only one who yeah. acknowledges that, which is a little something, yeah. Th- thank you for bringing that up because I would have forgot otherwise, and I think it's important to a point I'm going to make later. Um, but we we get so when we see Wasim getting beaten up by the police mm. in the line at immigration, this is that we then do one of these parallels because then we cut to the son of Matt Damon's funeral mm. and what, the funeral of Matt Damon's son, <laughs> um, and grammatically <laughs> s- questioned. Mm. Um, but yeah, this is it's doing these like, lovely parallels again, like the the children, the next generation are suffering. Um, it's some great work, and like we see that Matt Damon's remaining son has nightmares, and also that like Matt Damon is really irritable at work now because of this. Um, it, yeah, it's just really beautiful. The, um, we, we see that the Emir's men are like trying to contact him, and he is like clearly pushing them off because he can't deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also get some we get some Bennett scenes. Uh, first of yeah. all, we see we see his father, uh, who is like a serious alcoholic. Mm-hmm is just around, and he, Bennett has this contempt for him that is like, it's so well done, because you know that it's like, born of long experience, like, when he sees his father sort of like, almost passed out on his front porch, he's not even surprised, and he just sort of like, picks him up and he carries him in, and this this whole sort of contempt, because this goes on throughout the whole movie, you get lots of scenes with, uh, with Bennett's father, uh, he doesn't really ever say anything either, 
But he has so much contempt for his son and for what he does too. There's this moment where he's like, he's sobering up a little bit, and uh, Bennett tells him, you know, don't smoke in my house. He lights up anyway, and he's looking at this like the wall full of, uh, you know, merger shit, and he just the expression on his face is just sort of totemic. It's really good. There's all, we also get a whole bunch of scenes where Jeffrey Wright is interacting with his higher ups at the law firm, and they're like. They call him boy and they like make him play squash in an all white court and have like mm-hmm. a fancy lunch in a room like full of all white people. Christopher mm-hmm. Plummer does pointedly does not shake his hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is also instance number two, because Bennett has lunch with Sydney, his boss. Um, and this is instance number two of the guy you're supposed to sympathize with is the only one at the table who says thank you to the waiter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh yeah, but Bennett ends up having this uh sort of unwilling meeting with the Justice Department. And the Justice Department's role in, in this movie, I really like it, because it's really ambiguous. But the, the US attorney talks to him, he says, there's no way that a deal like this could possibly be clean. It just can't be. It's a corrupt industry. There have to be some corrupt practices. But you've got to give us somebody. Like- yes, yeah. And either you're there to, like, be incompetent, or you're there to, like, Give us someone. And what's really interesting is he plants this seed for Bennett, where he's like, oh, you're, you're, you're Sidney Barrett's protege. You must be, what, the fifth, sixth of those I've seen? Mm-hmm. And they keep changing, and he just stays there. And it's just this beautiful little sort of like moment of, of implanting that sort of seed of doubt there. And I think, in fact, the next scene is him being forced to play squash with Sydney in this like all-white mm-hmm. court. He's sweating. But uh, Brian, Brian does eventually take the offer. He does go out to uh, Name of Country Redacted. And w- w- he makes some sort of judgments on the society, having been in it for a second. Which are racist, they're embittered, they're orientalist, but there are sort of perceptive moments there. So so he says, like, uh, you know, um, uh, the women are, like, walking five feet behind the men, the men are all wearing these these white robes, uh, and he sort of, as, as he sees it, the point of this is to say, I don't have to work, it's hot, I couldn't work in this. Uh, and in this sort of, like, this great line that really sets up sort of, like, his own parochialism. He says, I'd like to see them play baseball. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun. Um, but he meets he meets Prince Nazir and um the elder prince, uh, who says, uh basically like we're gonna give you the deal that you wanted. Yes. That's kind of like he, sorry that your child died in my pool. He, he says it in this in such this in such this such a princely way, like this sort of munificent way, like we're gonna bestow upon your your little sort of joke company. Uh, th- this number of, uh, of of dollars, right? And and Matt Damon throws it back in his face, which is really really nice. Like he has he has this perfect perfect line. <laughs> yeah, no, he he turns it around on because what he says is seventy five million dollars. Great, that's great. How much for my other kid? And this brutal brutal silence descends. Yeah, uh, it's, and then he fucking calls the prince out. He's like, look, fuck you. Your country's a piece of shit. You've economically driven it into the ground. You're running out of oil. Like, fuck you, you asshole. Um, and then the prince is like, yeah, I know. I know that the economy of my country is a mess. Do you think I don't know that? I don't run it. Believe me, I hope that I will. Like, 
And so they kind of bond over this. And the prince also says, and by the way, I'll give you a hundred million for the other kid. Like it's, it's good. And yeah, and fuck you too. Yeah. It's, it's really yeah, good. And, he, and so he says, why don't you just be my energy advisor? And it's like, so they, they kind of become busy mates. Yeah, absolutely. See, uh, Matt, Matt, Matt Damon, Brian Wilson, he sketches uh, in the sand sort of his, his, he goes, okay, well tell me something I don't know. And his something that he doesn't know is, well, why don't you just build a pipeline over land through Iran and triple your money? Uh, this bit uh, does not fucking make sense. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't really go anywhere either. So I wouldn't worry about it. But it is ridiculous. <laughs> the, every, every sort of Persian pipeline deal has always fallen apart because of U.S. sanctions. Mm-hmm. Is the thing. Unless, unless you can reverse those, Iran doesn't have the ability to to run a pipeline. It doesn't have to, like gas storage. I I can't believe that this podcast leads me to such places that I I end up reading about like Iranian natural gas. <laughs> transport capability but uh, in a couple of years it's going to be a net importer of gas if the sanctions aren't lifted so in another one of these lovely little parallels whilst matt damon and the prince are having this conversation the prince is doing falconry and Mm. like you know and then we cut back to jeffrey wright and chris cooper and they are hunting they're it's like rich people (laughs) doing shit with animals it's another really really nice parallel um but then we need to check back in uh with george clooney Yes, George yes. Clooney is. He's like, where's the fucking missile? <laughs> He's like, guys, I cannot stress <laughs> enough. The film on track. A Where is the missile? Uh, when are you going to get the missile? Why aren't you getting the missile now? <laughs> hey guys, read my last email. Yeah. Uh, missile still <laughs> not present. Yeah, as as, as per mm. my previous email about the missile. Yeah. Once uh, again, contacting the NHS Judge Clinic about the missing stinger re, missile. Re, 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 <laughs> missile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and George Clooney is told by his bosses at CIA, "Hey, this like Prince Nazir guy, uh, he's he's a real bad guy. He's yeah. really evil. He's he he's almost certainly the guy who funded, uh, yeah. st- like yeah. buying he's buying probably the got missile. missile. He's probably got your missile. Maybe like I don't know. Maybe you should go and uh, ask him about it with uh, with a gun. Yeah, go to Beirut, uh, mm-hmm. where we you have been before in the eighties, uh, and and Slim assassinate him there." Sir. Another really, another really subtle thing, by the way, is when they mention Beirut to him, Bob goes, it's a great city, and both of them assume he's joking. Both of them laugh, the CIA officers that he's talking to. And it's the, this is one of the tensions that it sets up, is the idea that Bob has gone native, right? That it's like, he has become a bit too fond of these places, is very, very strange and very threatening. Mm-hmm. He's gone entirely Japanese. <laughs> well, quite. He's gone entirely Lebanese. Oh no. Um, <laughs> we we know, by the way, because we've seen Christopher Plummer. We've seen Christopher Plummer, Plummer, Plumber. We've seen Christopher Plummer meeting with the young prince, being like, "Do you maybe want to be the king? Like, what if you did?" Yeah. What's really funny is they 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 have this meeting where a third guy who is also there just says capitalism, <laughs> which I do enjoy. Yeah, he, that's all he says. That's his one line. They're like smoking cigar and like drinking brandy. It's very like. But but Michelle sort of derides Christopher Plummer. He's like he calls him the cat's paw of the Saudi princes. And Christopher Plummer reads his entire ass to him. Mm. And he goes, "Well, you know, maybe you could use a bit of a cat's paw because you're you you're, suck you're weak, and you're, gay. <laughs> you're pathetic. You you're a second son who's been overlooked for everything, and you want to be king, but you're too cowardly to even tell me that you mm. want to be. And so that's the sort of the the." Seduction there is that's, that's him sort of becoming Christopher Plummer's man on the inside. Something else I really quite like is both of the Amir's sons have heavy like British accents. These are both like yes. Oxbridge yeah. grads, uh, which is 
Accurate. Yeah, the younger one is just like, when I was at Oxford, I had a horse. It's like, it's not subtle. <laughs> yeah, check in, check in on your blokes. Yeah. Mm. Um, so we, we also have to go back and check in on Wasim and his friend Farouk, who have gone to this madrasa. Yes. Uh, and th- this is a really well well put together scene. I love this I so much. It, I think it has, it gets into the limitations mm. of the politics of this movie. But uh, first of all, we, we, we see them praying. Uh, we see them being spoken to by the imam, who is this perfect carbon copy of Anwar al-Alaki. And I was kind of like know, right? wondering halfway through this, this scene, like, why can I understand this without the subtitles? My Arabic is terrible. Mm-hmm. Why, do I, why do I know what they're saying? And I put together, oh yeah, the reason why is because they're talking to a bunch of migrant laborers who are learning Arabic, and so they're talking really slowly and mm-hmm. clearly. At one point, they're praying, the Imam is like blasting out Al Fatiha, like line by line, so that mm-hmm. they can memorize it. And it's just, it's really fucking good. But the Imam gets yeah. this, this sort of sermon. Sorry, I don't mean to keep talking. <laughs> no, no, God, no. We're, we're doing the OSS well, Sunday We're making joke. jokes about OSS Sunday search. Limam? Limam? Ah, fuck. I didn't even realize that. <laughs> no, you're in Alice and Alice's mode. I love this. We're just like at the back yeah, of the yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. classroom looking at each other's webcams. What, what, we, what, what, we, what we get is probably the like clearest it's and really fairest articulation good. of an Islamist ideology that Hollywood has given, which is. Um, you know, our rulers, all rulers, are decadent and corrupt and distant from the people. Living in the modern world is painful, uh, and the pain of living in the modern world will never be solved by a liberal society. The only set of values that can replace it is the Quran, right? And then, and then it kind of like falls That's apart right. a bit because this is this is all shit that that Anwar al-Awlaki would have said, right? But then he says some shit. That he would not have said, but which a liberal movie would say, which is the West has failed. Christian theology has failed. That's right. And that to me is, I think, a point of essential narcissism in this movie. Is yeah. this is this is ground that the West can yield, right? This is something this is a space which the West would or might naturally occupy. It's something that might be filled by the Chinese or whatever else. But it's not something uh, to which political Islam, to which Islamism would feel entitled, were it not for that failure, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and that and that success, that sort of ability to um, to to win hearts and minds, is something mm-hmm. that you get by soft power. It's something that you get by making friends with people. It's something you get by speaking the language. And there's always this unspoken sort of terror that. Uh, the Chinese are doing better than us, and that's why I think the line about "oh, they bothered to learn Arabic for this" mm-hmm. is is so important. Is it's that that's the unspoken liberal anxiety of this movie is we aren't doing enough outreach. We don't have enough guys like George Clooney who are mm-hmm. willing to like the good CIA. Yeah. Yes, yep, yeah, yep, yep, who, yep. Are, who are willing to like engage with that culture in a way that like um, is you know. Uh, on its own terms and is more conversational, but still advocate for American interests. And that, I think, is the sort of, that is what puts this movie at the start of the trajectory that gets me to what will in turn be my next pick, the much darker version of this, Zero Dark Thirsty. Absolutely. I mean, I was completely convinced by this guy, sign me up. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. Let's go. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, late, later on, let's just stick with them for a second, why not? Um, later on, the, the two of them are playing football, and they are caught. They are caught by uh, the man that we recognize from the very start of this movie, Mohammed Sheikh Giza, the man who took the second missile. Um, and he's just so genuinely, like, nice to these kids. Like, he's yeah. so open. He's yeah, so yeah. like, oh, don't worry, we're all brothers here. Like, and he plays football yeah. with them. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's so funny, right? Because the conversation that they have when they're playing football is about Spider Man. It is, yeah. And this is exactly yes. the kind of conversation that you see reported everywhere. I I remember seeing this in uh, like a series of interviews with with Taliban prisoners who were being held by the then Afghan government. It was this like curious mix of uh, sort of bits of very very hardcore Islamism that they had been taught, and also an awareness sort of secondhand of pop culture. Right? Is it just these things exist in the sort of like strange point of cultural exchange? But we also see this beautiful moment of peer pressure, right? Because th- this Egyptian, who is mm-hmm. you're sort of your prototypical terrorist facilitator, he's the type of person that like the Americans would consider it a win to kill or capture, yes. right? He 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 gets them talking. He talks about like brotherhood, and he's very friendly. Uh, and and Farouk jokingly he like insults Wasim. He says Wasim's a virgin, uh, and this guy goes, "Well, that's good. Uh, Zina is a, a very serious crime, you know, sexual intercourse outside marriage." And just don't it's, come. It, it's it, gay. Don't yeah, come. exactly. <laughs> don't don't come. come. And it just, and it just flips like like that. It just goes from yeah, no, we're all friends here, but incidentally. Mm-hmm. Incidentally, don't come. Do not come. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I, and we see that with seems like Farouk is like, oh, yeah, I'm also. Yeah, I also don't. I, I also don't come. I've it's, never been near the pussy. <laughs> I don't even know what a pussy right. looks like. I've got no idea what I'm doing with it, frankly. Yeah. What's going on down there? It's a mystery. Should we pray? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who, who knows? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's so good how he's able to like turn that around on them. But um, so so Bob goes to Beirut. He's he's been told that in order to be safe there he has to clear things with Hezbollah. Mm-hmm. Um and so the second he gets out of the out of the airport he gets in a cab and is immediately jumped by yeah, Hezbollah. Jumped, kidnapped, take a straight to main boy. It's cool. Yeah, Hassan Nasrallah. Well it's it tech yeah, basically yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> not in name, but it is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh w- one thing that I do really like is in this conversation that he has before he goes uh, with his contact Stan, uh, where he figures out that he has to like check in with uh, with with Hezbollah, he looks more dishevelled than ever. He looks like he hates all the politics, and it's seriously, it's like, come on, bro, one more hit of field work. I just need one more, and then I'm <laughs> <Come clean."> on. <laughs> There's, a, there's also like a really nice little detail that all the CIA guys that Bob talks to are called like Bob, Fred, and Stan. They have like one syllable names. And yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. as we later learn, these are not their real names. They're meant to be kind of like <laughs> generic shit. But um, anyway, he goes to meet Hezbollah, um, yes. whose who struggle we uncritically support on this podcast. <laughs> That's right. That's um, right. Absolutely. You're I've so- supported them ever since Jeremy Corbyn came around that's and right. told me oh, that's right. that we had to we had to support our friends in Hezbollah. I remember I remember seeing you with the big Hezbollah placard. Absolutely. Um, Look, I just think the flag is cool. It's not my fault. <laughs> Yeah, in order to bring Shia Islam to the people of Islington right. North. That's right. So, so he he goes to meet uh, Nasrallah, and Nasrallah is like a little bit circumspect. But when uh, when Bob goes, uh, you know, this is nothing to do with Hezbollah. It's not going to impinge on you at all. I'm here as like a courtesy to ask for for safe passage. Then again, you get the same kind of like munificence. So he's like, well, you know, then uh, you know, you're welcome as a guest here in Lebanon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
It's quite cute. So, so, so Bob then goes to hire a mercenary by the name of Musawi, whom he immediately deadnames. Yeah, nonstop. Also, let's just discuss Masawi for a second here. Yeah, finally. Just playing after- the Metal Gear Solid noise in my head. <gasps> we got after him, baby. Five, <laughs> after five Bourne movies, we finally got Mark Strong. Real Mark Strong. Mark Strong brackets real has impacted the movie, and I sat up in my chair like, hang on. Because M- Mark Strong playing an Arab again. My man, the thinking man's Jason Statham. The, the thing about Mark Strong is that they have, for want of a better term, blacked him up for this movie. Now, obviously, I'm aware that Arabs aren't black, but if I said Arabed him up, you would there would be a second where you're like, "What?" <laughs> you know what I mean when I say blacked him up. Mark Strong is an English actor whose parents were Italian and Austrian. Like my man is white. He, at, at, at least he's not doing an accent like he was in fucking Body of Lies, but he yeah. is... The, the- it's very funny how much he refuses to do an accent. It just sounds like he's from London. All right, mate. You're in fucking Beirut, are you? Political assassination, is it? <laughs> Both the, like, uh, makeup and tan and the lighting... They really, really try to like darken his skin color. Is it, yeah, uh, is he like wearing eyeliner or something? I think like, he they've might done be. something with yeah. his eyes. Like, so, so uh, yeah. Um, also, Bob keeps calling him Jimmy, which just added to my confusion because I did wonder. Right, I wanted to like the movie enough that I did wonder if the if the blackface, the his brown face, was on purpose, and if the sort of like if calling him Jimmy was like him riding him about being a convert or something. But no, I think it is just like I don't even know what it is. Um, but in any case, this guy Masawi, whom Bob keeps dead naming, is a mercenary, and we see that Bob. In his like third trait as a spy, he doesn't do his killing himself, right? He's he's not a killer, he's not a fighter. Um, instead, he is the type of person who can find a guy like this and go to him quite coldly, as he does. Uh, Nasir's going to be in such and such a room in the hotel, take him out, drug him, put him in the front seat of his car, and run a truck into it at fifty miles an hour. And and this just goes off totally, sort of. And he says this quite blasé. So we then see that. Um, they, they, they're going to the hotel, they accidentally, because Brian is there with Nasir, and they run into Barnes in the lift, and they have this sort of like awkward moment where, where Barnes is like, yeah, I'm not American, I'm Canadian, actually. Yeah, sure. Because <laughs> Prince Nasir sees him and is just like, oh, you're, you're like a, a white guy, like you're American? And he's like, uh, no, I'm Canadian, and I'm definitely not here to assassinate he's you. Like, he's like, I'm just out for a rip. Um, but I wouldn't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I just go out and do it downstairs to Tim Hortons. Ah, so, <laughs> uh, to be sure. So, so, so having 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 thus having thus sowed, uh, Bob now reaps. Ah, uh, you hate to see... receive, don't you? Sad. You hate to receive. You love to attack, but you hate to receive. <laughs> so we see three big Lebanese dudes sneak into the hotel. We see Bob watching the balcony to see what happens when he is grabbed from behind by the three guys and like zipped into a body bag uh, because he is about to get William Francis Buckley in Beirut. He's about to have a another a negative personal life experience here um, for dead naming his friend, which. You know, yeah, here's the thing, he deadnames him when he's about to be tortured, too. He like Mark Strong gets him in a room <laughs> and he's like, I am going to torture you now. 
And and what he fucking Mark chooses Song to say has this fucking great monologue about torture that he really really loves. Where he's like, torture method number one, water torture, can't be asked. Torture method number <laughs> yeah. two, push some shit in your face. Gross. I don't want to do that. Yeah. So I'm just gonna pull your fingernails out with pliers. Step one, water dungeon. And I was like, I started getting flashbacks to Zelda games. I was like, oh god, no, please, <laughs> not the water dungeon. Gonna fight Dark George Clooney. <laughs> <laughs> Also, for a second, I, th- I thought you were calling him Dark Strong, which is Dark like, Strong. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so, 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 so he does have one instance of line where he's like, "Yeah, they, the Chinese do this on on Falun Gong monks to get them to recant their beliefs." It's uh, just monks or whatever. Yeah, mon- monks or whatever. He's really like half-assing this. If you have no beliefs to recant, then what? Yeah, you, you you have nothing. I can't like get anything out of you except information. Uh, I, I am going to torture you now. And with the one thing he gets to say to this guy, George Clooney, fucking turf brain activated, fucking dead names him again, and just goes, Come on, Jimmy, you're not one of those Quran thumpers. It's such a per- like, he goes, Come on, Jimmy, you're not one of those Quran thumpers. <laughs> to which Mark Strong goes, My name is Masawi, and then pulls his fingernail off. <laughs> Mark, Mark Strong gets to say, my name is Masawi, like, three times in this movie. It's like his, I'm going to check the perimeter. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, he, he he pulls a couple of his fingernails out, and um, because, again, we see that George Clooney's deal is that he stays very calm. He doesn't tell him anything. Um, and so... He doesn't even really scream all that much. No, no. And, and so Masawi's like, okay, fine, I'm just going to behead Wouldn't you. Wouldn't know. Then. I'd turn the, the volume down and put subtitles on, because I'm squeamish with this kind of shit. <laughs> A little baby, it's fine. <laughs> there, there is a bit where he pulls his he pull, pulls his fingernail out and he looks at the thing he's pulled out. And he's like, "Ugh." Yeah, he goes, "Ugh, gross," and like tries to wipe it off the clippers on the table, which I did quite like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so he's about to behead him, and at this point, he is saved by the intervention of Hezbollah, who fully just send an imam to be like, "Stop it!" <laughs> like fucking Avengers assemble, Hezbollah shows up, and you're like, "Yeah." <laughs> Dun, 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 dun. They come through a portal. Like <laughs> you read this in like a synopsis, and you say like Hezbollah intervenes to save him. You might imagine like five guys with AKs kill everybody. No, 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 no. no. It's 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 what a guy. Man. It's a guy in the black tone just shows up and be like, okay, yeah, you've had your fun. Fuck off. That's enough of that. <laughs> yeah. Also, when Bob wakes up, Hezbollah left him a little cute card. Yeah, it's really yes. sweet. <laughs> it says, please consider making a donation to Hezbollah as you leave Beirut. It's, yeah, really, it's really good. funny. It's really. It also good. it also represents a better understanding of Hezbollah than a lot of shit does. Like they're they're very often portrayed as like sort of this this cat's paw of Iran. That's that's sometimes true, but there are limits and like. If they want to, if they want to tell the Iranians, because that is who Masawi has betrayed uh, uh, Bob for, is the Iranians. If they want to tell them to fuck off, then they will within reason. Uh, and there's certainly um, instances where they're like, "No, we're not gonna, we're not gonna be a party to that." I mean, in the British media, Hezbollah are portrayed like the fucking aliens from War of the Worlds. It's, it's Basically, weird yeah. because, yeah. like, of all of the armed groups in in the Middle East and the the Levant specifically, I would say they're probably one of the least psychotic and by far most competent. Mm. It's not to say that they're good guys, or it's definitely not nice guys, mm. but uh, th- th- there's there's a pragmatism there which I think is reflected very well in this movie, that you can find yourself with these strange bedfellows. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. A pragmatism to the movie, not, not to <laughs> yes, <Hezbollah. yeah. laughs> To be clear, we did like the anti-Semitism bad. So, but so we go back to the CIA, 
where we find out that uh, Masawi, they can't do anything about him. He's he's just gone. But he has video and he has audio of Bob calling for the hit on Nasir, and therefore what they have to do is totally unsentimentally just burn Bob's entire career. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're going to uh, disavow Bob now. Yeah. We, we, we see his boss be like, yeah, he's under investigation for, I don't know, you fill in the blanks. Yeah, like he's, he's, <laughs> he's gone off the books. Like, we knew nothing about this guy. He's, he's fucking lost it. We do, like, Bob does make it back to the USA, but mm-hmm. he's now under investigation. And, like, we, we see him go, uh, we see him go and, like, speak to his friend Fred, who, again, has a, has a family of children. Um, mm. And uh, we see him be like, why am I under investigation, Fred? And Fred's like, look, dude, I got to talk to you anymore. You're cancelled. You're cancelled. <laughs> yeah. You're cancelled on Twitter.com. I've got to unfollow. I'm sorry. That's right. That's right. I'm sorry. I, I just liked some of his posts. I didn't know that he killed two people in Tehran <laughs> in a rogue operation. <laughs> well, you know, I'm sure there's at least one leftist shit poster who has. Uh, this is the point at which I would, I've run out of notes, by the way. I, I just started watching the movie at this point, so I'm turning my phone off. Um, this is the point where my final note is Americans love to wear a huge suit shirt. I, That's I true. don't know why everybody, they do Everybody it. in this movie is wearing a huge shirt. There's one shot, right, where in the, sa- in the same scene where Matt Damon goes, you know, how much for the other kid, uh, you think he's wearing a normal suit for that whole thing until there's one wide shot which I really want us to make the episode of <laughs> if it isn't Mark Strong might be Mark real, Strong <laughs> where, where, where it just reveals that he's wearing the widest legged suit pants I've ever seen it's yeah. so imp- like this- they're all wearing like normal jackets but you take it off and the, the suit is just billows the shirt is massive it's phenomenal I love it I might get into it we might as well uh, wrap up Bob so he's in the position he needs to be in for the finale. So he he goes to meet Christopher Plummer. That's yes. right. We uh, have a great little scene. We have this great scene because uh, Christopher Plummer tells him, oh, in this town you're innocent until you're investigated. And Bob calls him on his bullshit. He's like, you, you must have got some miles out of the little aphorisms. It like, gives the listener the sense of the law being written as you hear it. Uh, and then he drops sheep. the real shit on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a flock of sheep. Uh, he, he, he he drops he drops the real shit on him, and the real shit could, in a worse movie, have been the Taken speech. But instead, it's, it's he's so regretful and so tired that when he delivers it, there's this like weird hum in the background from the fucking bug zapper in the restaurant too. Uh, so he just like he sits there in the shitty cafe and he tells them, "If anything happens to me or my family, an accident, an accusation, anything." And first your son will disappear. His body will never be found. Then your wife. Her body will never be found either. Now this is guaranteed. Then whatever is the most dangerous thing that you do in your life, it might be flying in a small plane. Might be walking to the bank. You'll be killed. It's you understand what I'm saying. It's really fucking good. It's good. It's yeah. the is, thing. Is this because is Christopher Plummer behind the investigation? Is that why he does this? Um. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I um, so. Just checking him. Yeah. Um. But anyway, then we need to position uh, Jeffrey Wright in this. Mm-hmm. Um. So Jeffrey Wright discovers that the merger between Connex and Colleen probably is going to be a little bit dodgy. There's a bunch of like dodgy payments 
somewhere like somebody's accepted a bribe it's the details aren't important mm-hmm. um but anyway uh their plan all along was to like drop one of the executives in the shit oh my god and, and like get him arrested for corruption he'll do a couple of years in jail and then get out and they like, have a big trust fund so yeah it's a limited hangout it's, it's yes. good um, and exactly. the guy they pick is uh, a guy danny dalton who is played by tim blake nelson and he gets like one scene where he that it's it's bizarre they just stood on a ramp so the whole thing is slightly angled um and mm. uh oh god and jeffrey wright is like above him so you see the the power imbalance and this guy is just like wearing the, again the biggest suit i've ever seen in my fucking life is just going corruption is cool it's good i enjoyed it why is this a fucking <laughs> crime all of a sudden and like jeffrey yeah, yeah, says yeah. nothing throughout the entire uh, scene i, I have uh, he in the fucking foghorn leghorn Accent. We have laws against it precisely so we can get away with it. Corruption is our protection. Corruption keeps us safe and warm. Corruption is why you and I are prancing around in here instead of fighting over scraps of meat out in the street. Yeah, he basically like is is saying like I love corruption. I spread it on my toast. It's great. And they're like, cool. We should probably like hang you out for this then. All right, we've picked the right guy to fucking take the fall then, haven't we? Also, he's yelling this in public. <laughs> Like, yeah, I know. This is my prejudice. The case against you. Past, like. so, so, but then, then, then Jeffrey Wright goes goes on a run. He goes on a jog, um, wearing like two Again, layers of clothing. The, every fucking American, they, they don't know how to not wear a t shirt under what they've got on. So this guy is like, he's yeah. jogging and he's got a t shirt on under a tank top. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, maybe is that just an American skin? Is that just what they like? I don't know. I've never seen one in real life. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the, the U.S. attorney then like drives up to him in the very sinister-looking like Lincoln Town car with the tinted windows, and they they have this conversation. And Jeffrey Wright, it, it, he's told that they they need another body, right? They need another I, person. I, I didn't immediately realize that this is the Department of Justice like rolling up on him while he's out running. I thought this is just somebody like propositioning. Him. <laughs> <laughs> just like, hey, looking good. You want to come for a ride? There's, there's, like, there's a there's a really important bit in this where where Jeffrey Wright goes, "You could do this through the courts, but they'll fight you." The whole way, they'll fight dirty, they'll go to your boss, the person who appointed your boss, uh, the person who appointed your boss's wife, uh, and you'll get the same result as now for, for like, <laughs> for hundreds of millions of dollars. And th- and he says this, this incredible line, this is the hardest you're ever going to hit them, and you know it. And I just, I wonder how much in the history of like any kind of corporate regulation or accountability has been stymied by that idea. And it might even be fucking true. I believe it's, it. It's a horribly bleak thing to believe. The Department of Justice say it's not, Dalton's not enough. Timothy Dalton's not enough. We need another, we need another body. Um, and, uh, and so Jeffrey Wright kind of like, stitches up the junior partner in the law firm. It's like somebody very big at the law firm. Like, um, he, he's like immediate boss. Yeah, he, he, sti- he stitches up his boss. He stitches up Sydney. Yeah. And, and what we get is a kind of like legal all about Eve, right? Where the implication is he's just going to become him. And then the next guy is going to do the same to him. And this is just this, this ongoing cycle. It's like Roman emperors. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, we got we got to check in with, with Nasir, um, who has been, Dispossessed of his birthright, uh, the, the the king goes and and gives the, his his heirdom to Michal instead, mm-hmm. uh, which co- which causes Nasir to plot a coup, and we get this this weird 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 speech, right? 
um, where he says all of the things that he wants to do. Um, I want to create a parliament. I want to give women the right to vote. I want an independent judiciary. I want to start a petroleum exchange in the Middle East. Cut the speculators out of the business. Why are the major oil exchanges in London and New York anyway? And all this is a recurring theme. We haven't really talked mm-hmm. about this much, but all of Nasir and Brian's conversations are about infrastructure, or they're about efficiency, uh, or they're about um, sort of the free market. Like he accepted the Chinese bid because it was higher, mm-hmm. right? And as such, he's he's sort of absolutely a liberalizing figure. Uh, all of the reforms that he wants to make are, are liberal ones because he wants to do the free market more fairly and more efficiently. I'm not sure how I feel about this, right? Because off the back of this, he gets compared by various characters to to Mohammed Mossadegh, to um, to Ataturk. It's yeah. bizarre. No one compares him to NASA, given that he's talking about uh, like recentering where where oil supply happens. But at the same time, I think this is I think this is a product of the movies very limited vision. I think this is the most radical thing it can imagine. Yeah. He's he's a liberal for better and worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 the for better here is that it's accidentally making the point that even that is enough to get you killed. Yes. Even that is yeah, radical. Yeah, cuz he he says I can't do these reforms. I can't do the free market thing and give the United States preferential treatment every time. Like, if China makes me a better offer, I'm going to go with a better offer, because then I can help more people. Um, and he says, but if I even try and do that a little bit, the US president calls my father up, and then all of a sudden I'm I'm not inheriting the kingdom anymore, mm. because they're going to give it to somebody else who allows the US to build military bases and, and like, will give the US oil contracts every yeah. time. soft power, and, having those and conversations. Then Matt Damon's like... Um, my wife is leaving me. They took everything from me. They took my family. Released my wife. Um, uh, his family leaves him and goes back to the US. What's What's also really funny is that, like, because country that is not named is Saudi Arabia, um, Nasir 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 is uh, a, a fr- friend of the pod, hmm. uh, Mohammed bin Salman, yeah, a close personal friend of me. Uh- Mohammed, come on the show. Yeah. Mohammed Salman, liberalizing force. A personal friend of David Cameron. <laughs> That's fucking right. It, it's this sort of people still thought this about MBS in in two thousand and six, and far later funny. than that, people people th- like some people still you think absolutely that about him. find people who still believe. Yeah, I'm this. sure he's going to do those liberal reforms any day now. He's going to give women right to vote. I mean, I've got the clock set. It's coming up any second now, baby. What's what's, what's really funny, and what I think really strikes at the heart of this movie is that it is able to identify the ability to talk about reform and not do it as a sort of cynical ploy when it happens in Iran, right? That's in the text. That's something that George Clooney says. You can let people march in the streets and the next day you close down the newspapers. Um, and, and that would like fool people into thinking that you're a liberalizer, you're a modernizer, you're a reformer. But not when you apply it to Saudi Arabia. Then you are fully in the tank for uh, a noble, altruistic, <laughs> royal governor of a country. <laughs> and it's so, so funny because this is. Oh, I'm a liberal king. Fuck off. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and so inevitably, this movie has taken a massive L when. I want to give women the right to vote. Yeah, I want to be clear. Not sure what they're voting for. Um... Not for the head of state, crucially. Uh, <laughs> no, no one's going to no, get no. to vote on that. I want to want to give women the right to vote on a ballot paper that has one box. Um, and, of course, the real MBS turns out to be much closer to the evil brother, Prince Michel, who is just like 
perfectly content to continue the authoritarianism. Anyway, uh, Matt Damon, uh, his wife having left him is like, well, fuck it, I'm going to stay in an unnamed country and we're going to have a he's coup. He's fucking like live tweeting the coup. Like he's on the yeah, phone yeah, while yeah. they're all getting in the cars. He's like, yo, we're doing it. We're going to the palace right now. Let's go, boys. Like, We've got the generals. Like we're going to mm-hmm. interrupt the crowning of the younger brother and we're going to have, we're going to, we're going to fucking do this. The younger brother is being crowned with the United States is like yes. thumbs up. He says, um, he, he assembles his like coup guys. And one of the things he tells them is, yeah, is nobody will stand up to the Americans. When a country has 5% of the world's population, but 50% of the military spending, the persuasive powers of that country are on the decline. And that is a fucking solipsistic-ass, Madeleine Albright-ass <laughs> line. Yeah, it, it feels fucking weird to come out of it's, him. Wh- why, aren't, why isn't America doing diplomacy anymore? Also, way more than 50%. Um, like, significantly more. The fucking LAPD is 50%, I think. So, so at this point, we're now setting up for the denouement, the last half hour. Which That's is, right. yeah. I think Everyone's in their places, yes. everyone's coming as, together. As the, um, the revolutionaries, as the coup boys and their main man all get in the car, we see... Well, the revolutionaries, it's a convoy of rangers. Yeah, I, yes. I, I, I forgot the name <laughs> of the word coup and, and just ended prince. up with revolution, which is not the same fucking <laughs> thing at all. Especially when done Literal by a prince. Coup. Um, but fucking yeah, they all get in the car, and one of his bodyguards just like quietly picks up the phone. And is like, yeah, he's in a fucking silver Range Rover with a. <laughs> yeah, kill that guy right you now. Need to bestie. kill this motherfucker right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and because this movie has heard of drone strikes, which is prescient, right? Like it's it's earlier in the timeline than than they became sort of very uh, embedded in the popular consciousness. Uh, that's that's how they try to kill him. I I don't know about watching this. Yeah, I don't know about that. I think it leaves maybe too many fingerprints. I think you just have somebody shoot him in the back of the head a couple of times. But mm. in any case, what what you, what you get is Bob arrives in the country and tries to like intercept the convoy to warn them. Brian is struck by a sudden moment of like need for his family and empathy and when he sees the prince's family, he's like, "Oh, you should sit in in the car with him." Yeah, and I'll get with your young child who's in the shot. Again, we're going to say something about children later on. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, so Bob arrives, uh, tries, to, tries to warn him, and everybody except Brian, pretty much, Boom. is immediately killed by the drone strike. Now, mm-hmm. I... <sighs> we see that the CIA guys, like, kind of realize that Bob is there and, like, quite sadly, like, press the button... To kill our old colleague, it's it's like it's kind of a sad moment. I'm like slowly clicking the drone strike on H bomber guy's house to just like take him out. It's like, oh man, yeah. like yeah. Ah, sorry, dude. You should have come like, on for that episode. <laughs> and they they clear out they clear out his old office, and they're like, ah. Another thing, he was good. We killed him. Uh, this isn't this isn't funny, but it is um funny. The why the convoy stops in the first place is uh, that a guy has a flock of sheep. <laughs> oh fuck! Yeah, he literally yeah. does. I have a flock of sheep. They're goats, I, admittedly. They, I, but like, I, I, f- I found it to be a little bit like laying on the good king act a little it's heavily too much. because he's he, he's not even bothered. He's like, oh, the Bedouin always have the right of way. It's like, <laughs> yeah, okay, fine. Um, but yeah, it, 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 this this bit doesn't really like capture the horror of a drone strike. And I think you know what could, but if you're gonna use the gore, I think now would be a good place to do it. Um, 
Also, as this is happening, uh, the oil guys are all in their tuxedos, like celebrating, like I am an oil man. Like they're having a party. Yeah, it's really good. So, like we get we get them like all standing up and applauding, and we hear the sound of the applause as we then like cut to the smoke and twisted wreckage of these cars, and it's like ah, I get it. And then we have a bit of a problem, which is I feel like the movie has at this point forgotten about Wasim and Farouk. Right? It's been setting them up as uh, you know being radicalized, being trained to be terrorists. They have this the other Stinger yeah. missile launcher. Uh, and then after all of this has happened, in a way that doesn't really tie in with the plot, uh, they they commit a suicide attack on, on a boat using a Stinger missile, which is a weird combination, and they blow up a, a Connex Killeen tanker. There's a little bit of ambiguity. One of the things that I, I, I kind of appreciated thinking about is the possibility that Nasir could have financed this, since it you know does ultimately harm his enemies. I thought more... that's where they were going with it. Yeah, but, yeah. but it, it it just kind of isn't really. Uh, but when when they are killed, um, you hear audio from from Wasim's martyrdom video that he's recorded, which is sort of very very severe and very austere. But it's um it's it's interlaced with them um, taking stuff out of Bob's office and Brian coming home to his family, and it's talking about different kinds of martyrdom and different kinds of rebirth. And I thought that was really clever. Yes, and. As Matt Damon is returning home to his children, we get the line from that video where Wasim says, "The next world is the true life." Um, so here's here's like I've been hinting at this. The film uses children a lot. Like even some of the incidental characters, like the other CIA agents, when we see them, they're like getting out of a car with their young families. Uh, Chris Cooper has like some kids like um, doing like a pool party in the background of one scene. Like everyone's got fucking kids. At one point, somebody asks Jeffrey Wright, like, hey, like, what's Corruption Man like? And he's like, oh, he's got a wife and kids. Like, everybody's got fucking kids. And, like, they're everybody's excuse for why they're doing what they're doing. Like, I've got to, like, provide for my family. I've got to look out for my career. But ultimately, they're just, like, props. Mm -hmm. They are just the excuse. But what I like about this film is the way that it shows us, like, all of this shit, like, actually hurts the next generation a lot. Like, Wasim hugs his father goodbye and then goes and, like, fucking martyrs himself against an oil tanker. And it, like, does nothing at all. Like, like the Prince Nazir's child is just, like, incinerated by the drone strike. The way that this film, like, uses children to hit home the emotional messages, like, is really, really effective, especially when the plot and the politics is so like complicated and cutty, it, such that even our summary of it has like simplified it and made it easier to understand. Like the emotional core of it is really, really it's good. Really, it's a really smart observation. And there's one thing that I'd add to. Yeah, they call me Abby and Alice. <laughs> That's right. Oh God, I don't know. There's gonna... one thing that I'd add, which is, uh, so so Jeffrey Wright, Bennett Holiday, he doesn't have children. What he has is his father, and the sort of the spiritual bankruptcy of their like mutual uh, contempt and the sort of like stuntedness is such that the last shot of the movie is him picking his drunk father up off the front porch and bringing him indoors and closing the door. And it's, this, this even extends to that because as yeah. the son, he is still paying the price for the elder generation's yes. like yes. fucking mess. Yes. Now that's a theme, baby. The that's sins themes. of the fathers. Will be visited upon the children. I've got. I don't have a full thought um, ever in my life, but I've got like two fifths <laughs> of one here, which I, I was thinking about throughout watching it because th this movie has people speaking in in English, and Arabic, and Urdu and Farsi. Like it's got a shitload of fucking languages, and so it has these sort of baked in subtitles at the bottom of the screen every so often. 
And when when a movie has these, it's really fascinating to see what it does and doesn't feel requires translation for the audience. Because like mm. there are there are scenes where there are multiple people speaking Farsi, and like it translates two or three phrases, and the rest is just sort of it says something, right? Pardon the fucking pun. It's the audio is being used to convey an effect rather than to convey meaning, which I is interesting to me. Yeah, it's vibes. Anyway, that's two thirds yeah. of four. If you have the final third, please uh, <laughs> <laughs> message me so that I can. Perhaps the final third can be discovered using our science-based rating system. Oh, perhaps because this is a mainline episode, so that's we have right. to give this a scum score. We we, we, we call it the scum system. The sh- the scum system. Yeah. A sh- <laughs> So someone, someone, yeah, has some messaged us because of my my complaint that we have no way to talk about homophobia in the scum system. Someone messaged us to say we should just call it the scum system and just insert H. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, gonna- I'm not doing the Connery we voice. We talked every- about homophobia under cultural insensitivity because gay gay culture is a culture. Yes, but I I do feel that to be something of a band aid. <laughs> I don't know, whatever. Whatever. It's homophobia fine. against still... me by refusing to allow me to talk about it. I'll talk about it in the fucking episode <laughs> when it comes up, don't worry. That's right. So, smarm cultural insensitivity, unprovoked violence and misogyny. I uh, know about smarm in this movie. I feel like we should change what the S is. No one's smarmy mm. anymore. It was that was such a specifically well, it, like, bond is, thing. Is the movie ever like jacking itself off? Like, does it ever have any lines that it's really, really proud of? Like that self congratulation. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's kind of the vibe, I think. Um, we're just, we're just kind of wider scum. That line about, like, oh, on the decline, is like, there's a couple of lines that are very, like, movie fucking lines. Okay. So it stands for stranger, right, which is when the movie sits on its hand for long enough that it can jack itself off. <laughs> yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think there's a couple. I think that it's sort of the, the blinders of its own liberalism, where it's like, why well, isn't absolutely. America doing soft power anymore? Uh, I think I think those count as smarm to me. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about a two? I would even go as well as a one. Yeah, I'd say. Okay, to be honest. Uh, now, <laughs> cultural insensitivity. You must excuse this rather odd mixture of styles, but I refuse to go entirely Lebanese. Yes. <laughs> why? Why did they? Why did they do that? Mark Strong. Could have cast an Iranian actor. Like you, they did really well at casting. Like fucking okay, Arabic my actors. Is, like, my mind is half Italian. But for some reason, I was like, "Yeah, we need Mark Strong for this." What? Mark Strong. Oh, I converted to Islam. <laughs> <laughs> I think my argument is I think Mark Strong just loves to do this. He does. He does. Uh, I. Mm, yeah, you mentioned body of yeah, lies. Body of he, lies. At least he doesn't do a fucking accent this time. Um, God. He his like real his his like birth name was like Marcus Giuseppe Stromboli or something. Sorry, sorry. Okay, I'm gonna I'm write gonna, that on the fucking. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna <laughs> pause here to investigate Marcus <laughs> Giuseppe Stromboli. Strong. Yeah. It's, it's not Giuseppe far off. Right. It's Marco Giuseppe Sosolia. <laughs> That's the shit I would call like. <laughs> the personification of Italy in a fucking anime. Like, yeah, my man is Italian. Like. <laughs> okay, so there's there's that. Um, Brian says, "Sorry, carry on." <laughs> Brian <laughs> says some very racist things, but they make sense for his character. They're not like sympathetic. They're like he he has become embittered mm-hmm. because he blames these people for like killing his child. 
I think also the way that the film really emphasizes the humanity of its like non-American characters mm-hmm. yes. um, is like really, really fucking good. Um, and also we, we see, especially through the use of the cinematic parallels that like, even when the characters, like uh, every, all the characters that kind of have the same foibles and same flaws, it's not really like, it's a movie that kind of like repudiates race as, as a technology of categorization. Um, except, except, except in all of Mark Strong's bits. <laughs> it's weird, like, all the cultural insensitivity is, like, concentrated. He's, <laughs> like, just a walking avatar. Yeah. He's, he's sort of... Do, do, you, do, you know what a, do you know what a sin eater is? <laughs> <laughs> you, know what a, you know what a scum eater is? It's Mark yeah. Strong. So, I, I would say... Three? Yeah, three. Honestly, yeah, like, the the whole fucking uh, Wasim and Farouk storyline is such, such like, a genuinely heartfelt rendition of people mm. getting radicalized. It's it's hard to really... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, we're all three of us, uh, let's be clear, are very white. So if this is inaccurate and racist, sorry. Careful whitey. Mm-hmm. Whoops. But it was good. It's good by the standards of the movies that we tend to watch. I'll say that, and that seems like a safe statement. Unprovoked violence. (laughs) Fuck! That adds a whole new level of like tension to me trying to figure out what I think. Uh, uh, um, fuck. Okay. Well, the like. Okay, that's enough of that. All of the. Yeah, all of the violence that we see is, that's like unprovoked is like explicitly a bad thing, right? Well, Bob is still the good CIA agent, despite the fact that we see him like murder a couple of people. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Fuck, you're right. Yeah, the the he does like outright explode two men. He explodes mm. those guys in their Dolce and Gabbana belts. Yeah. Oh, oh, like moral center of the movie, like the first thing he. Which, does by the way, like, later on is blow up a uh, is confirmed that those two guys were like Iranian intelligence. Yeah, mm. uh, and he confirms I mean, he knew that that was the case. So, like, yeah. so eh, not great. Two? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, hard to have a movie about a bunch of white guys in the Middle East without some unprovoked violence. So I think it's it's definitely got to be something. But it's the, it's it's violence that the movie, but the movie treats Bob's violence as like at best fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, two, yeah, two. Um, misogyny. I think it doesn't. Like it suffers from a lack of female characters. Yeah, um, Matt Damon's wife has fuck all to do besides wife. Yeah, and and nag. And does her character even have a name? I believe. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't. Well, I think she does, but like in the subtitles, she's credited as mum, which I was like, oh, yeah. She's very seldom called by Julie. Her name is Julie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I was ha- had sort of brief moments of perception, like the girl leaving the party at the beginning, that I wish it had, you know. Had more use for really. Women can be evil too. Yeah. Just let them be. Come on. That's right. That's right. Where's where are the women? I'm always saying this. Like uh, Nasir has a wife, but like for a supposed like you know liberator of women, she gets to do fuck all other than stand yeah, there. Fair point. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't realize he had a wife. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, she gets blown up. Again. Yeah, that's yeah. why. Yeah, that's... she she also gets blown up. Um, Not great. So... <laughs> Pretty high, yeah, actually. I, it, it's a kind of it's it's a misogyny of omission rather than commission. That's true. Um, it, it it is sort of curious the extent to which it is like willing to talk about uh the Muslim world, the Middle East's misogyny, um, but from this position of 
it's a social issue. It's a box to get ticked. It's up there with like having a parliament, right? The mm-hmm. the, the sort of the quality of it is is less important than uh, whether or not it like fits with the the presidential agenda, like Iran does. Yeah. Also, and I guess it's like oh. The idea that, oh, we'll have a parliament and that'll fix it, like, rather than actually there are, you know, some specific kinds of oppression that women yes. feel, like, as a sex class that we do need to, to deal yeah. with. Like, there yeah. are specifically, like, women's problems. Um, like, trans women in bathrooms! <laughs> <laughs> we need yeah. sex-based rights, is what I'm saying. <laughs> so I want uh, a two, three... Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would, I would say three. I think also because it reflects a kind of sensibility that... Um, yeah, that when the U.S. engaged in its sort of like liberalizing projects in Iraq and Afghanistan, when it bothered to do them, uh, I think it took the same kind of attitude towards women's rights there as it did here, which is it's important to do this. So say we've done it, say we've done it, and we'll you know it'll be done. Uh, and obviously, this did not do much to change any of the sort of underlying cultural phenomena going on there. So if you are a woman listening to this podcast in Saudi Arabia. Um, right in. Yeah, yeah. If you are a woman listening to this podcast, how you doing? How's it going? How's it going? Uh, it's just been good. This is this is the first three episodes that we're going to send to uh, actors' agents if we want to get them on because it's right. very serious and analytical. I'm genuinely, I'm very proud of this episode thus far. <laughs> I was, I was so so worried that I would be like unable to like form this into into a cohesive whole. And I certainly couldn't have done that without without the two of you. So thank you for that. Where where does this leave where does this leave Syriana and our patented scum spectrum? Uh, that's a total score of nine, which is pretty respectable. Not quite as good as a view to a kill. Um, but <laughs> that's the right. Thing, the thing about a view to a kill be. is that it has much more to say about the like global oil trade and misogyny and mm. things of this. Yeah, it has a lot to say about and computers. And it has blimps. That's true. Uh, I find the computer indispensable. Mm. Um, well, but yeah. Yes, thank you, thank you for. Listening. Whose whose turn is it the next time? What I, are we gonna do next time? I believe it's your turn next, Abby. Really? Uh, so I'm picking yeah. the next so bonus. I, the next ah. bonus. In that case, so, I think I have a film in mind. Um based on my track record, it's probably gonna be a lot worse than I remember it being. Um <laughs> but uh you'll find out what that is in two weeks, listeners. Delightful. And the next bonus episode is uh, also classified. So, <laughs> so uh, we will We see believe that for... we will have a bonus episode by the time it goes out. <laughs> Don't worry. Yeah, whatever it is, don't worry. Whatever it is, we'll see you for the next thing. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the first episode of Kill James Bond Season 2. Our power limiters are off. We can do whatever we please. So... Come back in exactly two weeks' time for the next episode, which is Breach 2017. But if that is simply too long for you to wait, then don't fucking worry about it, because it is the fucking banquet of forgiveness. So going up on the bonus and free feed simultaneously is Lupin III, the castle of Cagliostro, with special guest, friend of the show, and returning champion, Shannon Strucci. But of course, giving us money is always encouraged, so so I would be out of line if I did not read out our £15 and above patrons, and those are Christine Fox, Forks Winchester, Paint McCullough, Jack Holmes, George Rohak, 
Thomas Oberhardt, Yarrick, Carolyn Tankersley, Benno Rice, Max Kapinski, Library Hitman, Kit Divine, Amanda Rugda, Max Gamenhart, Dread Pirate Robin, Jonathan Gerde, Kentucky Fried, Commie, Hellblood Hands, Jay Martindale, Big Titty Goth Girl, Fremen Commissar, Jen Jen, Sydney Steckle, Tarp O, Trip, Elio About the E, Mothman, Timothy Pajorni, Sephira Luciferax, Charlie Out of the Closet, Jenna and Poor, Zoe Shepard, Elizabeth Cox, Finn Ross, Earths Eat Shit and Die Alone, Alfredo, I Make Devon Savis Out Loud, Philippa Smith, Rail, Leal Wolfie, Raised on a Diet, Al Irwing, Millie, JM111519, Josh Simmons, and Bon Le Bon. Thank you so much for your support. Kill James Bond is still Alice, Abigail, and Devon. Our producer is the wonderful Nate Thay, and our podcast art is by Maddie Lubchansky, and our website is by Tom Allen. See ya.